Craft Beer Radio, episode 19, November 10th, 2005. Good evening, folks. Kenneth Beverly, WHOP Action News. We are here tonight at a brewery known to be housing a group of confirmed hopheads. Hop addiction spreads across the globe and is no laughing matter. This terrible obsession is insidious and has grown seemingly out of control. Some would go as far as to say hops and the obsession that they cause are simply pure evil. We are here tonight to reach out to these self-proclaimed hopheads and attempt to find out how and why this hophead phenomenon has reached epidemic proportions. Welcome to Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. I'm Craig Weiss. And I'm Jeff Bear. This week, week two of our IPA mother load. Yes, it's uh, been a good week last week, and this week is going to be even bigger. We've got some uh, big hoppy beers for us <laughs> Even today. hoppier this week. Uh, first, uh, we always go into business first, and that's what we'll do this time. First, I want to say I'm sorry. Jeff is sorry. I messed up everything, <laughs> just about everything, when I posted last week's show. The feeds, the links on the website, forgot to send out the email announcement. It just was a big mess. We hopefully got it uh, fixed pretty quickly, but... Yes, and hopefully no one... Wasted too much time downloading all the old shows by accident and things like that. So, I'm sorry. We'll, we'll, we'll endeavor to do better next time. Uh, we want to remind people that there's a new month in Podcast Alley, so vote again to bring us up top. No, I want to ask you something about this. No, if you want to vote for us on Podcast Alley, please do. We appreciate it. I am Even I'm getting sick of begging for votes every month. I I don't like it, but right now there's not really any other way around it, is there? Yeah. Well, and it's it's even worse because it's more dilute. You got iTunes, Yahoo now, right. you got Odeo, blah 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 blah. Right. You got all these places, and there are guys and go to the podcast pickle and this and that and rah rah rah. So at least Podcast Alley is one you can really track. I mean, you can really yeah, have a, listeners have their say, and I, I appreciate that sort of model behind it. So. Okay, so we're going to think hard on exactly how we want to keep doing this. I hate getting sick of begging. I wish there was just like a Nielsen's for podcasting where, well, the whole key is to get exposure so other people can find us. So if there was a way to get us exposed without bugging you every single week, we'd love to do it. Tell Uh, a friend about us. Maybe that's (laughs) what we'll do. Tell a friend about Craft Beer Radio. Oh, we have a sponsor. Well, we have an affiliate partnership there with sudsgear.com. I mentioned it last week. Uh, we slipped it in right at the, yeah, at the was, end of the show. Yeah, it was uh, very, very slick editing there. And we were burning the midnight oil to get that <laughs> get that stuff all set up. You, but, you couldn't at all tell it was recorded later. Yeah, sure. <laughs> if you go to sudsgear.com and buy some merchandise, we will get 10% of the total. And you will get 10% off, too, if you use our coupon code CBR. Yeah. They have a nice selection of microbrew t-shirts. They have Alaskan, Rogue. I don't have the list in front of me this week, but I read them off last week. Go check it out and save 10% with the coupon code CBR. And help us buy more beer. Or the new microphone you're talking into. Or the new mic. Yes, this new uh, condenser mic. Help pay off my credit card for Greg's microphone. (laughs) We have a separate podcast feed, which we put our interviews in and a pre-show and a post-show. And if you want to listen to those... If you go to our website and look on the right-hand side, there's a link on how to subscribe to Craft Beer Radio. That'll explain what you need to do to get the extras in iTunes or any of your podcast programs. Mm -hmm. And our website is www.craftbeerradio.com. Also, you can can download either the extras or the main show directly from our website. Right. If you would like to give us feedback, there are several ways you can get in touch with us. You can email us or send an audio comment to beer at craftbeerradio.com. You can vote for us and comment about us on podcastalley.com, what we talked about before. 
You can call our beer hotline, 202-206-BEER. B-E-E-R. And you can leave a comment for us, like we said, on our website at craftbeerradio.com. Well, that's enough business for today, isn't it? There's one more thing I wanted to bring oh, up. more Sorry, business. I didn't put it on your sheet. There is a, uh, another beer podcast out there. I've been forgetting to mention it the last show or two. It's um, Beer Cast Brew. There's a link on our website under the beer podcast links. Cool. They're out of North Carolina. They do just, inter- so far they only do interviews, but they interview different people in the brewing industry. It's pretty interesting. It's always fun to listen to that. And I'm a little jealous because they got all about beer to sponsor them, and I thought that'd be the perfect sponsor oh. for us. So, lucky oh, well. them. Lucky them. On to emails. Uh, Chris from Ontario wanted to know if we could taste some Canadian beer, and he said that Unibrew makes some interesting beer. What do you think? Well, I emailed him back asking what other craft brewers there were in Canada, because I didn't know of any, really. So he replied, and he said, Wellington Church Key, Steam Whistle, Heritage, and Mill Street are all good Canadian beers. Now, I don't think I've ever heard of any of those, so I'm not sure if they're available here or not. One of the reasons we haven't grabbed a lot of Canadian beers is because, well, there's Molson, right? We can get that. We can get Unibrew. And apparently there's good craft ones, but we'll have to keep an eye out and see what other Canadian beers we can find. If anyone else knows good Canadian craft beer that's available in the United States, send us an email. Particularly Pennsylvania, because that'd be easier for us. Right. But next time we do a Belgian-style show, we're going to try to grab some Unibrew, so we can uh, show what that tastes like. Yep. Matt from Pittsburgh wrote in. He wanted to let us know that the Hop Devil that we had last week was definitely oxidized. He was at the Pleasure Bar last week, and they were selling the rest of their Hop Devil and Hopback beers for $1.50 each so they could get rid of them. Yeah, that sounds reasonable. No, it does, but I bought mine at the Pleasure Bar here in Cranberry. He was drinking at the Pleasure Bar. Where's that at? Near Bloomfield. East East Liberty. East Liberty? Yeah. So. May have been a different, well, I don't know how oxidized it really was. I mean, we got a little bit of that flavor, but it didn't seem like it was overpowering the beer. That was just my opinion of it. You okay. seem to be more affected by it than I was. Yeah, I just didn't think it was a very good example of Hop Devil. Oh, well. Drew wrote in, Distribution. While I appreciate the notes on everything that can be bought, a lot of the information you guys get from the websites is a bit out of date. Yeah, probably. On quite a few occasions, I've seen beer that has that you note has no distribution in Minnesota sitting on the shelves of our bottle shops. Well, unfortunately, we it's hard to fault us for that because we just take the information that we can get, and brewers don't really get back to us. Uh, with, with a lot of regularity. So. Right. It's uh, it's uh, it's interesting because I thought that was one of the more useful pieces of information that we give for the beers. Right. So we are soliciting some more comments on the distribution. Have you found that they're inaccurate, useless, or do you think they're a useful stat? And maybe we should spend some more time on trying to get better information on where the right. beers are delivered. And he says that he knows that Stone, Three Floyds, and Founders don't come here. No need to rub it in. Well, <laughs> I can understand that, too. <laughs> Benjamin wrote in. He suggested uh, some possible light beers, light craft beers, mm. for us to try. Because I think we mentioned it in the extras last yeah. week. Sam Adams Light, Saranac Adirondack Light Beer, Yingling Light Lager, and Amstel Light. Maybe we could do a well, I mean, those uh, light are craft all, show. Those are all craft light beers. You know, that'd be an interesting experiment. Probably it's not something that Jeff and I necessarily look forward to because we're not a big fan of that style. Nonetheless, we are craft beer radio, and so there you go. <laughs> Mike writes, um, "Old Dominion Brewing's about halfway between Reston and Leesburg. It's a few miles north of Dulles Airport." I think we we asked where Ashburn, Virginia, was. We, were, we didn't know where uh, yeah. Old Dominion was compared to the uh, Tupper's Hop Pocket right. place in Bethesda, Maryland. 
Let's jump down here to Rob from Maryland. He gave us some more information about Old Dominion. Okay. They have two Tupper's brands, Hot Pocket Ale and Hot Pocket Pills. They're a contract brew for Bob Tupper, hence the Tupper's Hot Pocket Brewing Company. He's a local teacher and beer MC at the famous Brick Skeller restaurant here in D.C. So that explains where the Tuppers come from. I see. And I always thought it had something to do with England or something. Yeah, it sounds vaguely English, doesn't it? You know, it does. Hey, Tupper's here. Well, that, that, that was an awful, I don't know what kind of accent that was. <laughs> I apologize to anyone who, any international listener who is offended by horrible accents, because there you go, that was one of them. Jeez. Tom from Massachusetts sent us a novel. It was a long oh, email. Oh yeah, it was a long email. I remember that one. He uh, picked up some a bottle of the Yards Philly Pale Ale because we tasted it on right. the show. And he agreed that we thought it was very different. And, and for him, it raised more questions than it answered. Yeah. He tasted that apricot. But also thought it tasted a bit like a spice wit beer. It was cloudy as you would expect a wheat beer. And he also found some stuff in the bottle that looked like poppy seeds. Little yeah. black. Now I've seen yeast clump up into little uh, round things, but they're always brownish. Maybe black. someone slipped a roofie in his beer? I don't know. Do you, do you remember the rest of that night, Tom? <laughs> the only thing we have for ingredients for this beer is that it's hopped with Zeus and Simcoe hops. Okay. And that, I think that accounts for a lot of the apricot flavor. And so the interesting flavors in the beer. Yeah. And maybe the yeast and the hops are playing to make it sound spicy. That's what Tom thought also. Yeah. But he wasn't sure. Uh, so. We definitely want to recommend that again because that's a really interesting and different pale ale. Give it a shot if you see it. And the last email for today is a new listener, Drew from Maryland. He uh, was listening to the Trappist show where we talked about Orval and we were tasting that sour taste. Remember that it wasn't in all the reviews that we got and we wondered if it was mm -hmm. regular or not? Mm -hmm. When he brewed it in Orval clone, he added some bretomyces, which is um, some wild yeast uh -huh. to his beer. And it makes it soured. And uh, so it helps approximate the wild yeast that Orval uses in their brewing. Well, I, I neglected to mention this, but while I was in Japan, we went to a couple of bars, and one of them had Orval. Okay. And I tried it there. I figured, well, how different can he get trying a beer that was you know sitting on a shelf in Pittsburgh versus a beer that was sitting on a cooler in Japan? And yes, there was the same sourness. Okay. So I imagine it's, it's going to be there. Okay. Whether the reviews mention it or not. He also goes on. He was from Maryland, so he wanted the plug uh, Clipper City Brewing. He asked if we've had any of theirs. Oh, yeah. He likes their Red Sky at Night Saison, Small Craft Morning Pilsner. And I told him, you know, we tasted the peg leg in the summer release stout show. They have a new beer, Loose Cannon, which is their Imperial IPA. Three pounds of hops per barrel. <laughs> and I've heard uh, a lot of people talking about it on the beer websites, and I'm going to keep an eye out and oh. see if I can get my hands oh, on that it. Sounds good. On to news. Coors. Coors Brewing Company is experiencing flat sales for everything except for their Blue Moon beers. Jeff and I, before the show, were actually talking about Blue Moon. We we don't know how to approach that one. I think we need to give it a try again. We were under the impression that they were very weak attempts at microbrew beer. Mm -hmm. But I think in fairness, we should probably give them a try again. Their Blue Moon sales are in double-digit increase. Keeping is there anything that's keeping Coors flat, right. and uh, one of the biggest declines was Coors Aspen Edge. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the uh, the low calorie, uh, the low carb, carb yeah. low carb beer. So I can understand, but you know, the, the question, and maybe it's a question that that our listeners can answer because 
here's the thing. We're craft beer radio. Craft beer, we say at the very beginning, for the craft beer industry, and certainly Coors cannot be considered a part of the craft beer industry. In fact, it's essentially an opponent. And if they produce a beer that's that has you know flavor and taste and stuff like that, it actually is is uh, a brewed to be a good beer. Should we review them on the show or not? Because they're not really part of the industry we want to promote, and yet they are a style that's out there for people to try. And if it is good, well, then it's good. And isn't that what it's really all about? Ever since the interview with Lou, I think about this a little bit differently. He was talking about is it about the beer? Or is it about politics? And if we don't do them because they're owned by Coors, because they're a Coors label, then it's getting into the politics. Right. So it's changed my thinking a little bit, and I think we probably should try some Blue Moon. Now, if we don't like it, if we think it's a pale comparison to other wit beers, or Belgian yeah. white beers, I'm sorry, um, good, then we can, you know, be in our right to say Blue Moon's a piece of junk. But until we try it again, I think we should yeah, probably I stay think, neutral. That's true. Uh, okay, so that's Coors. Next article is about uh, Wisconsin brewers and the wholesalers' compromise on distribution rules. There was a thing going through the Wisconsin legislature where they were going to not let small brewers deliver beer to retailers. They would have to go through wholesalers. And the small brewers were all worried that if they don't get the, the attention that the, they need from a wholesaler, you know, they could lose sales, they could, it could even hurt them. Right. You know? So they reached a compromise where... There are certain situations where they're allowed to deliver beer to the retailers and to beer festivals and things like that. So it sounds like it's it's not as bad for the Wisconsin Brewers as it could have been. It's not everything you could hope for, but at least gives them something. Yay, because New Glarus is one of those, and you would hate to yeah. see them suffer because suffer. of stuff like this. The last news article we have today is about a beer called Bad Elf. They weren't going to allow it in Connecticut because of the label. Label has this elf with a slingshot, and he's like shooting down Santa's sleigh. Oh, that's a bad elf. And, uh, well, kids might think, oh, there's a cartoon on the beer. So, and there's a law about you can't use that. Wait, so kids would be more likely to drink it because they see a cartoon? On something it? like that. There's a law where you can't promote alcohol to kids or something, and they thought the label was doing that. Wow. It was allowed because the statute was not, doesn't count for beer labels or something, because that's not really the advertising. The lawyer for the distributor argued that the state would be violating the distributor's free speech rights by banning the labels. The uh, Bad Elf and Seriously Bad Elf are imported by the Shelton Brothers uh, Import Company, and I'm probably going to have an interview with them sometime soon. Cool. I'd like to try uh, this Bad Elf stuff. Sounds good. On to Macro Muck for this week. This is good. Yep, we got... Uh, this is uh, a classic example example of them not getting it. Anheuser-Busch is trying to drum up support in the beer industry for an equivalent to the dairy industry Got Milk advertising campaign. They want to change the image of beer because they're losing a lot of drinkers, the the echo boomers and things like right. that. They're drinking the alternatives, the alco pops, you know, all the terms <laughs> that people use for the Zimas and the Schmiernoffs and stuff like and that. And going to wine. And people. also women are going to wine instead of beer. They say women in the article. I'm not generalizing here. I'm... Now, Paraphrasing. They, they don't note in the article that craft beer has been experiencing a boom. Not in this article, no. And it's funny because now they're fighting an image that they've spent decades to create. Okay, this is the quote from Tom Long, the chief, uh, the chief marketing officer for Miller Brewing. People will tell you that beer is not sophisticated enough or stylish enough to compete with wine and spirits. Why do they think that? Well, I believe it's because we told them to. 
at the bottom of the article, they talk about some of the other, they're kind of like the got milk type campaigns, but print campaign making the rounds would feature celebrities who answer the question, who would you like to have a beer with? One version has Paul Newman, who wants to have a beer with Teddy Roosevelt. And another one, Oprah Winfrey chooses Lucille Ball. Now, see, I don't know how the, what that's saying about beer, working with food and stuff like that, except for saying, see, these famous people drink beer, too. They, they still don't get it. They, they still don't get it at all. I mean, the one, I saw, I saw one commercial that I thought sort of got it, which was a Michelob commercial, where they uh, showed this really nice steak dinner. I think, it was, I think it was a steak dinner, and maybe there was other food, too. They have a big Pilsner glass filled with this awful... You know, clear-looking, pale uh, corn water stuff, and it said Michelob. Now, okay, it's trying to point out that hey, you can have a beer with food, and that's even better. But I mean, it's Michelob. They're starting to turn around, and they want to change the image of beer, but it doesn't look like they're changing the image of beer. They're well, trying to they say, really, hey, look, these cool yeah. people drink beer. That and really, I mean, the best way to change the image of beer is to change the perception that beer, all beer, is not. This, you know, gross, pale, corn mush-tasting stuff. <laughs> every For every commercial that says Budweiser, this is beer, they're, they're ruining that, any attempt they try to do to make it sound interesting and good. Absolutely. Let's move on to the good beer now, shall That's we? That's right. We're doing the uh, second show of the American IPA. If you remember from last week, the, the characteristics of an American IPA are a intense hop aroma with mm -hmm. citrusy, floral, perfume, resinous, piney, and or fruity character. A flavor is much the same. There should be a uh, supporting malt backbone to it, so there'll be malt flavor will be low to medium, and it won't be very malty sweet, but there'll be a fair amount of malt there to balance out the beer. For this beer, we'll use a pint glass to drink it out of. The serving temperature will be 45 to 50 degrees Fahrenheit. Typically, you don't sell these unless they're higher in alcohol. Yeah, and like you an imperial. want to make sure they're bottle conditioned too. If you're cellaring, you sell them at 40 to 45 degrees. They typically range from a 5.5 to 7.5% alcohol. Again, you'll have ones that are higher than that. Right. The bitterness is typically 40 to 60, but on the style guide for word it says 60 plus. So IBUs? IBUs, yeah. yes. Well, so it's going to be bitter. And it's going to be hoppy. It's going to be delicious. And it's going to be tasty. So we're going to go get the beers out of the fridge and let them uh, warm up. We'll be back in just a few milliseconds for you. We're back. That was a very quick few microseconds, whatever it was you had on there. On to our first IPA of the night, which is Harpoon IPA. It's an American IPA with 5.9% alcohol. It has bitterness of 42 IBUs, hopped with nugget and cascade hops. Malt is, uh, we have malt information on this one, two-row pale, um, <clears throat> two pale from Canada Malting, Caramel 20, and Victory from Bryce. Originally was a summer seasonal in 1993 from Harpoon, and now it's available year-round. I think you're going to get us some pronunciation gate. I believe it's Bryce Malting Company. Uh, brewery located in Boston, Massachusetts. You'll find this all over the place in Boston. Has a bit of a floral aroma to yeah. it. Yeah. In there, there's a hot, there's um, a little bit of a caramel smell behind it, but there's a, a lot of uh, floral hops, a little citrusy. It's uh, it's not really in your face, it's, no. so it's a nice, relatively subtle. Yeah, it, hop it, aroma. it's more subtle. I mean, it, it it takes some real sniffing to pull it out because it's there, but it's not, bam, hitting you right away. But then, if we were drinking Scottish yells, it would be one heck of a hop aroma coming out of this beer. So relatively subtle. Yeah. This is a light orange, 
color, a little bit cloudy because it is bottle conditioned. Pour with a large head, not as big as the beer in the pre-show. Uh, slightly off-white, a little bit cream colored. Hmm. First thing I notice, and this one is the malt actually. I notice some um, very interesting, almost candy malt taste, and then the hops come at you at the end. Yeah, it has a nice balance to it. It's mm-hmm. finishes dry, but it has a nice sweet mouthfeel to it, and the hops are finishing definitely. It's uh, yeah. It's got a different flavor than others. I think that um, you know they make a point of pointing out the malts they use because they do seemingly use a different uh, couple different malts and nugget hops. Nugget hops is a bittering hop, so it's a high acid hop. Mm. And when you use it for bittering, you do get some characteristic differences from them, but generally, you can't tell what kind of hop from the bittering part of it. Yeah. Sometimes you get some flavor, but usually not. Which it doesn't surprise me because the big hop flavor here is definitely a cascade flavor. The uh, Victory Malt is pretty distinctive, and I think that's what we're tasting in this. It's got a medium to light, medium to medium light mouthfeel, I guess. Now it's interesting here. They notice that their IPA. They note that their IPA is the biggest seller and accounts for sixty percent of the beer they produce. It's pretty good. I'm noticing the malt more. The more I drink it, the more malt mm-hmm. is coming through in the flavor. Yeah, the malt really hits you um, right in the middle of your tongue, and also kind of uh, near your throat. And the hop hits you at the end of it, and definitely after it's after you've swallowed, there's a hop presence that's floating around around the top roof of your mouth in that area. This is a good example of a beer where when you make an IPA, anyone can throw some more hops in the kettle. Yeah. This one's crafted, though. They put a nice malt backbone underneath it. It gives it something different than not every IPA has. It's very, very drinkable, very easy to, to go down, and I could see myself going to a bar and you know, having one or two of these with a good meal. This would probably really go well with some food because it's got that balance to it. It's yeah. not going to overpower any other flavor. And I like it. I th- I'm liking it by itself. I wasn't Definitely. really thinking food when doing this, but the the malt just gives it a nice harmony with the hops. I agree. This is a very good example. It's not it's it's not like a typical crazy American style where they just throwing hops at you, which some of the ones we've had and some of the ones we probably will have tonight will be like that, yeah. which we certainly enjoy. Don't get us wrong. Right. The um Certainly, you can tell that it's modeled after an English, I think, with as much malt as in it. Mm-hmm. No, not using traditional ingredients, of course. It's using American hops. The malt's not really a traditional English-type malt, either. And I'm liking it. Yes. As, as I said before. Great start off to the night. Absolutely. Thank you, Harpoon. And on to uh, one of our favorite new or new favorites, which is Great Divide Brewing in Colorado. And these guys are making some great beers yeah. right now. They play... I don't know their their history, what they've done, but I've heard from some people that they've revamped their product line, and all their new beers that I've had have been really good. Yeah, this is going to be the first time that I've tried the Titan. How about you? I believe so. I don't think I've had the Titan before. The Titan, which is, of course, their American IPA, 6.8% alcohol, and like we said, Great Divide Brewing in Denver, Colorado, at greatdivide.com, and their production of 16,000 barrels. Uh, it's a it's a dark um, or actually sort of a light copper, uh, darker than than the harpoon. Um, a lot of head on this one. Wow. Yeah, hops smell a lot differently on this one. Yeah. Um, it's a very floral potpourri like hop. I'm still smelling some malt too, though. You, you are a little bit. 
first you know what Ian, that that's that was was what was confusing me there is a, a malt mix in with this with this hoppy aroma so another attempt at being balanced and not just hey here's some hops to smell but it, it, it's a it's a strong malt aroma and that's what really surprised me i think and what, and what i couldn't place at first because it's not what you expect clarity on it this one's a little cloudy too like you said it's bottle conditioned so i think you need glasses greg that one's not bottle conditioned Really? Nope. Oh, now there was a bunch of stuff on on the bottom that looked okay, but now Greg's got a 2015 vision, and he can't tell if this is bottle conditioned or not. It looked like it at first, but I guess not. Get that big, yeah. hoppy, juicy yeah, very, flavor. Um, citrusy, being big, hot flavor right off the bat. Not a lot of carbonation in this one. No, you don't really taste much carbonation. There's a big malt backbone that helps drive up that mm-hmm. citrus flavor, makes it taste juicy, and. uh well done. <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the the first thing I thought was, uh-oh, I don't really like this that much. Because it was so different from the Harpoon. It's really different. And then, very quickly, I got used to it. I said, oh, okay, now I get it. It's something that it, it, it didn't didn't hit me right away. But now that I had like a second or two to adjust, really good. Hop flavor on this one really lingers. Mm-hmm. It, mm-hmm. It, it's aftertaste and aftertaste and aftertaste on this one. Really fresh hop flavor. It's really just hangs in your mouth. Hitting... Uh, Hitting the, the the sides of your tongue and it, it kind of the the hot flavor and the malt evaporate into this almost candy like really yummy flavor that just sticks around. Yeah, that's a good point. It is a candy like the the malt backbone with these fruity citrusy hops really give this candy type flavor to it, and you taste this in a lot of beers in this style. It, it, this does taste like sort of a milder version of the Hercules, which is doesn't really surprise me. Hercules mean they're double IPA. Right. Yeah, the Hercules is a lot. has warming, and mm-hmm. it's, a, it's a different drinking experience, actually. This yeah. one, you can take bigger sips, and it's refreshing, and it, it just fills your mouth. It has more of a malty presence than the Hercules. Yeah, certainly. But I can taste that same sort of hot flavor. Good bitterness at the end there, hitting you uh, right in the back of the tongue, where the bitterness usually does. These guys are good. There's uh, some balance to this beer. It's definitely leaning hoppy. Mm-hmm. Like the last one was really balanced because yeah. there was hops, but there was malt, and it was almost equal. A little they're, bit they're hops. Play, on they the were playing team. around with each other, and this one hops are definitely dominating the show. And, and but the malt gives it a really nice supporting yeah. role in this one. Yeah. It's it's right there with it, and uh, so it's it's a good balance for an IPA. Yeah, this one is probably more typical of of uh, the American style of IPA making. Wonder what hops they use on this one. I don't have that. I don't know. Let me see if I can. Yeah, Mister BJCP, bring it on. Did they give you like hops you can suck on and try to get the flavor? <laughs> we didn't have. Any, we did the uh, the hop course last night, like I said earlier, and we didn't have any real hops there. I was wondering if we'd have um, pellets, different aromas to smell or something, you know. But they didn't do that. I just need to go to the homebrew store and just stick my head in each bag yeah. and take a whiff or something. It sounds like it's just a bunch of fancy book learning. It is. It's fun. It's nice spending time <laughs> with the beer geeks. How can you really appreciate what these flavors are just from reading about it? Flavor is well, one of those we, things that even we, even when we try to describe it on the show, we not we can't really pull it off. Right. Well, we sample beers, but I was I thought maybe there'd be some raw hops there yeah. to just judge the different aromas, or maybe even flavors if you want to take a little bite of a pellet yeah and go mm. ooh. but um 
No. It was weird because we were learning about hops and the styles that we were tasting and reviewing last night were brown ales and Scottish ales. <laughs> okay. Maybe you need to plan that yeah. a little bit better yeah. next time. You know, you're you're salivating, you're thinking about all these hops and it's time to judge a brown ale. As I was drinking that, I just finished it up. There's a little bit of head that was remaining. It was slowly <laughs> coming down. I figured, well, that's there's some beer in there. <laughs> it's like drinking an oyster. Honey. Yeah. Mm, that was really good. We should find out their story. Why, if they changed their line like the one person told me, and why, and and why all these beers are really good. I'm really glad we can get them. If you can, if you can find them in your area, make sure to get some because it is some good stuff. On to another brewery that we really, really like, Anderson Valley. Anderson Valley's Hop Otten IPA. This is from, like we said, the Anderson Valley Brewing Company in Boonville, California. They have their own little, um, what would you call it, a semi-language? Yeah, the, the, it's like a valley there. It's kind yeah. of isolated um, in Boonville. And they have the, the Boont language or something like that. Right, and then... They the name Hop Otten means hardworking hops. We have an active beer that uh, popped the cap and it started going everywhere. Wow! Save the audio equipment. This is a nice, little slightly darker copper color than the Titan. Uh, cloudy. This one is probably bottle conditioned. Nope. I think. Doesn't Anderson Valley filter all their beers? I, I think guess everyone, so. I think just... everyone we've had has been filtered. Well, no, that... Uh, no, no, the, the Anderson Valley beers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Wow, a real orange flavor on that smell. Aroma on that one. It's another uh, balanced flavor. It's not pure hops. There's some malt in there, too. But it does have a, more of a citrusy than the other ones. And... Orange, like you said, not yeah. really a grapefruit like you right. might think, but more of an orange. Not really getting much malt. I mean, you said it was balanced, but I don't really smell much malt. You know what? Maybe not. Now I'm smelling hoppy, hoppy, yeah. hoppy, hoppy, hoppy. Hop Otten. Uh, Hop Otten IPA was recently, most recently received a silver medal from the 2001 World Beer Championships. This one's very similar in taste to the Titan. It's drier. Doesn't feel as juicy. Now, tell me if I'm crazy, but I taste a little bit of prune. Keep going. Keep going. Well, no, I just tasted prune. I was just curious if uh, you were getting that at all. To me, this doesn't taste balanced. This tastes very hoppy. Um, very fruity. Real, a whole lot of that orange flavor. And most coming in a little bit at the end. But I, I don't feel it's balanced like the tight. Yeah, I got you know. I spoke too soon. Apparently, you know, the first sip, tongue still adjusting from the previous beer, mm-hmm. has the water cracker on it. Still, you're right. It's <laughs> the malt that I thought I tasted. I'm not tasting anymore, but I still taste a little bit of a prune for some reason. My uh... well, I mean, it's a strong orange, I think, and maybe the malt is, is giving it a little bit of of a sugariness that's contributing to making it taste a little prunish. Maybe okay. cherry. Maybe a little bit cherry. Not very strong cherry, mind you. I could give you that, I suppose. It's a different sort of hoppy flavor, but it really is um, very inviting. Bitter at the end. doesn't have as much hop aftertaste as the Titan did. You don't think finishes so? finishes a little bit. I mean, there's still some bitterness, but the Titan left hop flavor in your mouth. This one leaves some, but not as much. I'm getting a lot of that r- residual flavor right in the back of my mouth, a little bit by the cheeks. 
and the roof. It's staying with me. Okay. Greg and I are going to disagree about everything on this beer, <laughs> except for maybe how much we like it. Let it warm up a little bit and mm-hmm. see if it comes around. Let some of the volatiles evaporate off the beer. This is a very wide distribution area. Should we go over it? Well, it's a wide distribution area. We'll just leave it at that. Go to AndersonValley.com and find out and for actually, yourself. it's a AVBC.com. Oh. Yeah, AndersonValley.com would probably take you someplace. <laughs> some, not some like porn site or something. That's not what you want to do. That's like if we're speaking without consulting the fact sheet that I slaved over. 20,000 barrels a year. So they're relatively... You can find them in a lot of places. They'll yeah. be around. Certainly. They have a wide area, like you said. And we've talked about them a lot. And yeah. We really like most of their beers. It's uh, it, it's got a, a higher carbonation than, than the Titan, which I think actually hurts it because I think the flavor is is such that it would really benefit from a little bit less harshness from the carbonation. If you could sort of like the Titan had so much flavor to it that really toning down the carbonation. No, helped a yeah, lot. you're right because the carbonation makes it pretty prickly, isn't mm-hmm. it? I think the Titan really benefited from having a lower carbonation level, and this one would probably benefit if we worked out some of the CO2 here. You know, just swirl this glass, shake it up. Not shake it, but, you know, vigorously swirl it. If you let this beer go fly, it'll be even better. (laughs) And when I worked out some of the carbonation, you get some more of that malt, it seems. Mm -hmm. And it balances the beer out a little bit more. So the carbonation was subduing the malt in this beer. I wonder if this would taste better on tap because of that. Probably, because a lot of the taps, you know, aren't as carbonated as the bottle, as the same one in the bottle. Still, hard to say it was bad. No, (laughs) it's not hard. I wouldn't even consider saying it was bad. Mm -mm. Okay, our final beer of the night is also our highest alcohol of the night. This is the Stegmeier 100th Anniversary IPA. I want to thank Nancy from Lion Brewing, who sent us a couple samples of this beer. Thank you very much, Nancy. This is a one-time release American double IPA. We haven't done a double show since our very first test show. We said 8.2% alcohol. From Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania at lionbrewery.com. This is the Lion Brewery. Annual production of, wow, this is great, 387,550 barrels. They do a bunch of beers under the Stegmeier label. I think that's their biggest label. They do the Pocono label, which has more of the craft beers from what I'm aware I'm not sure if they do anything else. I'm, I would assume they do other things, but I'm not sure. barrels is a lot. Yeah. I wonder if they have a cannery. That many beers. I haven't seen any of their stuff in cans. I don't know. I mean, there is that st- that stigma. Brewery, you don't know when it started, 1901, 1905, but this is their 100th anniversary now, so we figure it was somewhere around 100 years ago. As is uh, typical for a double IPA, it's a little darker. It's, it's sort a, of a darker copper. Yeah, it's copper. It's a... Uh, Amberish has a cream head on it. A more malty aroma than anything else is what I'm getting out of this. It has an interesting hop aroma. Hmm, might not get much of aroma at all, to be honest with you. I'm getting. Oh, there it is. Okay, swirl up around a little bit, and there I get something. I mean, there's some malt, but you're getting a fair amount of hops too. But it's it's, it's a, a spicier hop. hop. Yeah, I'm not able to. I don't know which one it is, and uh, I wish I did so I could sound really smart right now. <laughs> Give that a shot. It's interesting. Yeah. When you first take a sip of this, it um, tastes lager-esque. Almost has a licorice flavor to it. Yeah. I'm not sure if they're 
you know, what kind of yeast they're using. But my first impression was it it tastes lager-esque, but it's not bad. It's yeah. you would, like a uh, yingling porter. Okay. It's porter made with a lager yeast, and it tastes lager-esque, and it's not good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry. <laughs> um, my first impression was, okay, it tastes a little bit like a lager-esque, but... It uh had that yeah like you said licorice it's 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 a um it's interesting it, it's sort of a I don't know how how else to describe it other than uh, a darker flavor no it's it's a color not a it's a shade not a not a flavor but it feels like the flavor is you know if you can describe hops as being a bright flavor this is sort of a darker flavor or a typical Cascade hop is sort of a bright citrusy this is a, so um. A black licorice, that's kind of like a, a cassis, isn't it? Um, or anise or anise. Uh, or anise, that's it. Um, or anise. Or... <laughs> anise, 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 depending on where you are in the country. Right. It's almost like a little bit of that. Yeah. Definitely some alcohol warming. Um, a good, a really a, a strong malty backbone on this one. A stronger than you would expect for a double IPA. Yeah, it's... Uh... Certainly a unique interpretation of an IPA, I'll say that. And uh, it's not bad. No, it's, it really uh, is pretty good. Um, there, it is like, higher in alcohol, so it's hard to say you can go to a bar and get a whole bunch, but you can certainly have one or two of these and enjoy Well, if it. you don't already have it, you're probably not getting this. That's true. That's true. This is a one-time release, so if you're lucky, you can find it maybe somewhere. So, we're sorry for everyone who can't taste it, but we figured since they sent it to us, it was only fair for us to taste it on the show. And I'm happy to be drinking this. It's, uh... The more I drink it, that, that, that like I said, my initial opinion of that lager taste, mm -hmm. I'm, like, noticing it as much. I'm getting... Well, it, I think some of that had to do with the the texture of the yeah. beer. It still has that licorice, though. It's a very interesting flavor in this yeah. beer. If, if, I want to point out that, you know, people who don't like licorice, I'm not a huge licorice fan either. It's not directly tasting like licorice, but that's the closest analogy I can make to this flavor. Part of that flavor is the warming, the alcohol you're getting out of it. It adds, it, it's part of that licorice uh, interpretation that we're getting. Yeah, I mean, this is not like I'm downing, you know, a, a shot of Jägermeister or something. Or Uzo. <laughs> right. Or, or like I'm grabbing a whole bunch of fennel seeds. It's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And we keep smelling the aroma on this. It's an interesting yeah. aroma still, and um, it's a different hop. I'm still not able to place it. The only reason why I say licorice is because that's the, when I think of something that kind of that has that darkness, that, that dragging your tongue downward. It almost it almost feels like there's a pressure on your tongue when you taste it, when you taste sort of that licorice flavor, and that is sort of the flavor that's coming out of this. So this beer's warmed up a little bit. Mm -hmm. it's tasting pretty much the same, though. Yeah. It hasn't... Always look for the 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 final tail stretch of these beers for us to say something new about it, but it doesn't always happen. So Maybe I'm a little just... bit more of the hoppiness is coming out, just a bit. This is going to be a tough one to judge. Yeah, this beer doesn't have as much warming as you might expect for an imperial IPA. It's not as high alcohol as an what you might It's an eight point two, and the, okay. you know, the the regular what was it the uh, the yeah the the hop odd had seven percent. Okay. So, I mean, this is only 1.2% more. So, it's just over the boundary. So, yeah. it's not killer. It's, it's a good, enjoyable beer. And if you just happen to be looking at a beer distributor in northeastern Pennsylvania and you find some uh, Stegmar 100th anniversary, I'd say pick it up. I'd say so, it, too. It would sell for a while because... Oh, no, it's filtered. Never mind. <laughs> it uh, 
Well, the alcohol will let you cellar it a little bit, but yeah. you probably wouldn't want to cellar it for more than six months. Give it a try. It's it's interesting, and hey, it's a one time beer. There's always that factor of hey, one time. Let me yeah. let me get a try that before it's gone forever. This is going to be like I said, a tough one to judge because all these beers I really did enjoy. Um, and oh yes, we have Super Hop to judge too, which was the Barley Creek right. beer we did in the pre-show. Okay, well I know it is the the top and the bottom. Top beer, Great Divides Titan oh, yeah. IPA. Big, yeah, no no question about it. That, that was. Really, really awesome. Really a great example. You know what? I might go with Harpoon next. Because that was really, really very nice, nice and balanced. balanced. Uh, really very drinkable. Really bring, brings on a lot of... Uh, I thought it would go really well with food. Um, probably after that, I have to say Stegmeier. Nice, uh, nice interpretation. Interesting. And, and, and unique. Different. Yeah. You get to explore a beer flavor... That you haven't had before. Absolutely. So I, w- I think I agree with you so far. Hop Otten, I think, would come after that. Um, you know what? I would... No, I don't agree with you so far. I'd put Stegmaier second, Harpoon third. Okay. Close, but yeah, I'd put him that way. And then I agree with you the rest of the way out. Yeah. The IPA and then the the uh, the Barley Creek Barley Super Creek Hop. Super Hop. Super Hop. Which is, I uh, thought the Super Hop had a, something. I just didn't like one an aspect of Jeff it. Jeff thought it was a little bit too resinous or grainy. Yeah, something along those lines. I thought it was good, but it just it didn't hold up to the rest of them. And I was surprised that, that Anderson Valley's didn't rank high as high. But then again, it had a very, very, very awesome had hefty stout competition. competition yeah, that's for sure. So it was. Uh, it's in the major leagues here with these yeah, other beers. Yeah. So that's uh, that's the show for this week. Uh, we want to mention that. We have an interview with, that I did with Brian Dishman from Otaro Brewery in Japan. It's going to be on our extras feed. I want to apologize for, there's some sound issues. There was a lot going on in the background, and we couldn't get a real quiet place into the interview, unfortunately. So um, it's a little bit noisy, but we hope that you enjoy it because there's some good stuff there. That was me stacking dishes in the background. <laughs> yeah, right. Jeff wasn't there. All right. Well, thanks, everybody, for listening. And check out our extra feeds. Check out our website, because we'll have the interviews up. We have the link to sudsgear.com, where you can buy some merchandise and help support us. We have the new email notification. So if you're not the podcast aggregator type person, you can sign up for our mailing list, and I'll send you an email when we put up new new shows on the website. Assuming you remember to send it out. Assuming I remember to send it out, yeah. (laughs) Look at that look Jeff gave me. (laughs) All right. Thank you, everybody. See you next week. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. If you have any questions or comments, email us at beer at craftbeerradio.com. And feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. Our intro and closing music is Lameface by Feeble Wiener. You can find a link to Feeble Wiener on our website. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Yeah, 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 ye